Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Um, how many times have you heard someone say, God told me, the Lord spoke this to me? Well, is that really possible? Could that be true? And if that is possible, that's true, then what does that look like? How did God speak to them? How did they know that it was God? There's a lot of questions, a lot of confusion about what it means to hear God's voice today. And we're beginning in a new series, When God Speaks. And today is the first part of that series when we are talking about, does God still speak today? Now, just laying the groundwork today for some things we're going to walk through over the next few weeks. I don't know exactly how long. Uh, three, four, it could eventually go into five weeks on this. Sometimes these things have a way of growing on you because you feel like sometimes you get to a place you need to pause there for a while and to uh, remain at that same place for a little bit. We'll see how the Holy Spirit leads in that. Um, but we'll talk about We'll look at the question, does God really still speak today? We'll talk about seven specific ways. You could, you could number them differently, but look at seven ways God speaks to us today. Seven keys to hearing God effectively. We'll talk about discerning voices, discerning the voice of God. You know that old situation we run into uh, when we hear something, we believe we hear something. So, well, Lord, is that you or is that the devil or is that me? How can I know whose voice that is? Those are some things we're going to talk about. And I hope you'll, you'll, you'll be here every Sunday if you possibly can. If not, make sure you follow up and listen during the week. Uh, because we want to, I want to walk through this journey. I want us to walk through this journey together. Because I really don't think that there's anything that's more crucial, that's more important for us as followers of Christ than to learn to accurately and effectively hear the voice of the Lord. To understand it. In fact, I think that a lot of other things that we need to know, we need to learn, we need to do in our lives, they would all come, they would all come into the proper place if we would first of all learn how to really hear him. You see what I'm saying? If you can really hear him about your marriage and understand it, then it should it should cause some changes to happen. If you really hear what God is saying about about your own personal life and commitment to him, whatever it may be. We need to be the place where we know that we hear from God. And let me tell you, just one word from the Lord can absolutely change your life. And it can save your life. Hearing the Lord, learning to hear him can save your life. It can give direction. It can, it can uh, help you understand better who he is, who you are. It's so significant to understand more about your future. That's why it's important for learn now. Now, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of error here, and there's a lot of teaching that I think kind of gets off base here. And we're going to try to walk through the scripture with this because always understand through all of this that the Bible, the Word of God, the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God, is the standard. Every other thing, every other way we believe that we hear from the Lord has to be measured as to how does this align with the Scripture. Don't ever forget that. And we'll go into it in more detail, but that must be the bottom line. I mean, 
Have you ever had a time when you just got to a point in your life and you said, Lord, I, I need help. Please show me. Lord, please show me what I need to do here. Please speak to me. And oh, how we'd love to have a sign in the clouds or on the wall or, or to hear God speak verbally. Wouldn't that be great if when you just every time say, Lord, I just need to hear from you. And he says, yes, my son and daughter. And just begins to just lay it out there before you. Normally it doesn't work that way. Most of the time it doesn't work that way. But we like to have something. But look, looking for a sign is extremely dangerous. That's why we have to learn to discern in different ways to clearly hear him. Because looking for a sign and going by your emotions is extremely different. Because the enemy can get into that. You can get into that and be misled. You allow other people to, to hinder you in that. I mean, I remember the woman, you know, that was desperate for a man in her life. She wanted to get married, and she'd, she'd search and search and search, and finally she's just on her knees praying for the Lord, and she stood up there in the room one day, and she just said, Lord, I believe the next person that comes in that room will be my husband. Well, I'm not going to go on the rest of the story, but that's a dangerous thing to do. That's a dangerous thing to do. That's not the way we as believers are, are led. Now, God is very patient, and there's sometimes we say, Lord, I just really need some confirmation of this. And he'll do that. He'll show us. So, I mean, I've been in this thing, pastoring, you know, for 50 plus years. And I've been a Christian for a long, long time. And I've, I've taught a lot of different things over the years. But I've, I've, the older I get, I, I learn this, that, that, that uh, the, the, more, the more you learn, the more you realize you have so much to learn. There's more to learn. And so as I walk through this, please don't think that I am any the authority on this. I've, I've walked through this many times, but I'm walking through it again with you. And I expect to learn some things. I've got some things going on in my life right now that I need clear direction from the Lord. Do you? I mean, I just need a word from the Lord. And um, people say, well, I just use common sense. I just, look, you wouldn't have any sense if it didn't come from God. But, but, but there... Listen, you don't throw common sense out the window. Some people think if they hear from God, it has to be spooky and crazy. Well, sometimes it is a little bit odd and different, but, um, you know, he gives you wisdom. Yes? Amen? Well, I, I remember, and this is something we all kind of deal with in, uh, in the world we live in. There's, I, I remember a story of a young man, and he was in a small group Bible study type of thing with some, with some other believers. And they were talking about this subject, about learning to hear from God, to hear God's voice. And, and he couldn't help but wonder, Lord, if, if this is true, do you actually really still speak to people today? I'd really like to hear. I'd really like to know that you can still speak today. So after he left uh, the Bible study there that evening, he was driving home, and he just began to pray. He said, God, if you do still speak to people today, just, Lord, speak to me, and I'll listen and I'll do my very best to do what you tell me to do. Well, he continued to go down the road there to travel. And the strangest thing happened. Something, I, I, don't, I don't know how you define this. It, it's hard to define the way that the Lord speaks to us most of the time. In that, uh, besides his word, is, is that inner voice. That prompting. Something on the inside. Something maybe in his mind. But it came from deeper than his mind. That, that said, uh, you need to stop and buy a gallon of milk. Well, you know, when he heard that, he, the, first, the first response to that was that that couldn't be the Lord. 
you know. And my wife didn't even say I need to stop my. So this this couldn't be this couldn't be the Lord. So he argues about it a little bit and kind of back and forth. Well, this is crazy. I shouldn't do this. But as he does this, the impression gets stronger and stronger. Uh, and, and then he begins to reason. He says, well, you know, I don't know whether it's the Lord or not, but we can always use a gallon of milk at home anyway, so what's the harm? So, so he finally pulls over and he stops and he gets a, a gallon of milk. And he gets in the car and he continues on down the road there. So he's driving down the road and, and, and continuing on his way home. And then that same inner voice impression says, turn on the next street. And he's, no, you know, I'm just hearing things. So he drives on by. But once he gets by the street, it goes off stronger on the inside and it says, turn around and go back. Well, he does. He turns around and he goes back. And he drives down the street and he hears something inside, no, stop. And then when, when he stops, there he's just sitting there in his car arguing with himself. You know, have I absolutely gone crazy? You know, is this just something in my mind? What's going on here? And he's not in the best neighborhood. Where he is, not in the best neighborhood. And he's sitting there in the dark in his car on the side of the road. And he's thinking, what's, what's going to happen? And, and he hears this, this inner voice again say, I need you to go to that house across the street. Well, it's already dark. And he said, Lord, there is, I, I don't know anybody here, and what are they going to think? And it's, it's dark, and they're probably already in bed. So he begins to come up with all these excuses, but that inner, uh, uh, that voice keeps seeming to get stronger and stronger. So finally he says, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. So he gets out, and he goes to the door there, and he knocks, and this man answers and says, who is it, what do you want? Well, he stands for a little while, and then he turns around just hoping to walk away. But as he walks away, the door opens. There's a man that stands there and says, uh, who are you? What do you want? And the guy just stuck the gallon of milk in his hand. <laughs> and the man took the milk, and he ran across the house. And he ran into another room, and then come out from the room comes a woman carrying a small child there, a little, a little baby in her arms and runs to the kitchen. And the man there, the house just begins to weep. He says, we've had some really difficult times and we've paid our bills and it's been so difficult, but we came up to the end of the day today and we just didn't have any money and there was no milk for the baby. And he said, I had just been praying, Lord, show me what to do so that I can get a gallon of milk. And then the wife, the, the, the mother yelled from the kitchen and said, I prayed for an angel to bring a gallon of milk. Are you that angel? <laughs> I don't know where you've had any experiences like that or similar to that. But I think many of you have. <laughs> Perhaps they were happening and you really didn't recognize it as a voice from the Lord because it's it, sometimes difficult to discern. And you don't want to miss God. You don't want to disobey you don't want to just do what you have in your mind to do. You want to really hear him. But the key here for this young man was he had a longing and a desire to hear the voice of the Lord. He wanted to hear the Lord. He remained open, pliable. And as he traveled, he heard this, whatever prompting, however how it presented itself inside of him, and he knew it was something a little different than himself, and you will. It was, it was not just some feeling that he had. 
But he didn't respond immediately. And, and this is what happens. When you're open and the Lord begins to speak to you and you remain open, it will get stronger and stronger. And if that prompting stays with you, you need to listen even more carefully. And then as you take each step, he'll give you the next step. And that's what this man did. And this was a real teaching experience for him, a learning experience for him. And um, it, I think probably we may not have had an experience like this, but I think we probably, even if we didn't realize it at the time, we've had some times like this. I can remember times in my life when, when the, the, the leading of the Lord, the voice of the Lord was so very clear, it was, un, it was just, you couldn't deny it. And sometimes when that prompting was so strong on the inside, and, and you try to test it and see, you know, does it line up with the word? If, it, if, if that prompting doesn't line up with the word, then that, that, that ain't God. You need to just not listen to that. But if it prompts, but if it lines up with God's character and God's word, then you need to listen. Listen carefully and follow beatly. Yes, God still speaks today. And it's extremely critical that you and I learn how to, to hear him. Uh, this is something that's very distinctive to Christianity. We have a God who wants to speak to his creation. Our God is a God of revelation. He wants to reveal himself. He wants to communicate. And the amazing thing about that is he created us with the ability to communicate, the ability to hear him and the ability to speak to him. And always remember that it is a two-way street, that communication, praying, don't ever forget, praying is a two-way street. You can't just bow in prayer and just continue to talk, 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 and talk without taking time to listen and expect it to be an effective prayer life. We must hear from the Lord. We must be willing to take time to listen. I mean, guys, those of you that are married, you understand how important communication is in your marriage. Yes? Women, you understand how important it is for good communication. Yes? You must have good communication to have a good, strong marriage. And it's developed. It's something you have to intentionally develop and improve. A lot of us have really gotten into hot water or the doghouse or whatever because we weren't very good at communicating. I have to be careful here because I can think of some experiences. Uh, any couple here that would like to share an experience where you had difficulty communicating? Honey, run. Would you think we have a real problem communicating? That's too, you took too long to answer that. It, didn't work, did it? Oh. it was a learning experience for us. You have to understand in, 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 in our marriage, and of course, most of you know that my, my wife passed away after almost 34 years and, and four children, and then thankfully the Lord brought Deb into my life, into our family's life, and it's... Um, it's been a learning, growing experience all the way through, and God has been faithful in it. But it's one thing to grow up and learn in communicating in a couple when you're young, you've kind of grown up together. But when you basically come together and you're both middle age, I'd still call it middle age, wouldn't you? Would you come middle age? <laughs> We've both had our uh, individual, personal lives and habits and experiences for many years before we now are together. And, you know, I got, I know that God is more than enough, but there are times during that to where you just said, oh, Lord. But it was, really, it was a, 
It's a learning experience. Wonderful as it was and is, it's, it's, it's a learning experience. I've learned that I can recover very quickly. And um, we, what, one of the experiences that stands out, I may have mentioned this before, was in communicating was when we got, just relax, it's going to be all right. Uh, <laughs> you guys ever been in a sense where you're communicating something to you? Oh, you, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done in it now. I might as well. <laughs> I recall um, there was a lot of little different things, and I could bring up a lot of different things. But one that stands out was early, early in our married life together. <clears throat> you know, there's times when you're communicating something, but that's not what they're hearing. It's showing the importance of learning to communicate effectively and to hear effectively. It takes both, right? And in learning to hear from God, you have to learn how to share, ask the Lord to speak to you, expect Him to speak to you, and then learn how to listen accurately. Communication there. You've got to know what's going on there. And uh, my, we're in a, we're in a, we are a, a little older than most people when they're married, and we're, we're in, uh, you know, we're, we're learning together, and uh, after all these years, and we're there, and, and she's, uh, she is a, she's a great cook. <laughs> she's, a, she's, she's a great cook. And, and, and uh, thankfully, she loved to cook. Now, I've been used to that in my life. I've always been around great cooks. On this. I was, I'm, I'm a blessed man. But um, uh, I would just come into the kitchen there and everything, and she'd be preparing stuff and everything. Or if she brought things in from a grocery store, I'd just start helping Something needed to be done in the kitchen or something. I just start helping her. And I thought, brownie points. This is good. She's going to be so glad she married me. And she got mad at me. Upset, maybe is a better word. Angry at me. And we had a, a little time there to try to, you know, work that out. To, I didn't realize what, what I was saying by my actions, even what I was saying in some of the things I said to her, I was saying, I want to help. I feel like I have a responsibility here. She was hearing, you don't think that I can do this good enough, do you? You, you don't really think I can do this, do you? You think you've got to step in and do it. <clears throat> it was this thing that a lot of marriages deal with. We call it a C word. It is control. And a lot of marriages deal with that. Well, that was just a little sideline, but perhaps some couples needed that here this morning. My point is that learning to hear God is a process. It takes experience. There will be some times when you may miss it. it. Don't just throw up your hands and quit. Just continue to learn. Thank God we have a God who wants to communicate. The problem is not where God is speaking or not. The problem is where we're listening or not. Psalm 29, verse 4, the Bible says, Psalm 29, verse 4, the Bible says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. God has a voice. Remember back in Genesis 1, when God was creating the heavens and the earth, how did he create? He spoke it into existence. And God said, light be. The power of his word. 
In John chapter 1, we're reminded that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, talking about Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. He was the one that was actively involved, the Word, in the creating of the heavens and the earth. In fact, that's what it says. It says, He was the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. I mean, throughout biblical history, we find examples of God speaking to people. Beginning with the first two people, Adam and Eve. Let's walk through this very quickly together, okay? Shortly after creation, God blessed Adam and Eve as male and female. There was no, no difficulty in knowing which was which. Transgender did not exist. It doesn't exist today. So, they created, this is God's plan. Anytime you mess with God's plan, it is what we call perversion. It's missing God's best. It's a problem. I mean, this is not about hating anyone or, or, or shutting anyone out. We want to love people regardless of what they're facing, regardless of, of things that they're allowing in their life. We're not shutting them out. We'll love them and pray for them. But, but you got to accept what's, what's scripture and what isn't. Now, sometimes you'll be accused of being narrow-minded, but don't worry about that. What, what the Bible says is that he created Adam and Eve, male and female, and God said, is it God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, govern it or reign over it, the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals that scurry along around the earth. And then verse 29, then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for our good, and I have given you every seed-bearing plant as food for all the wild animals and birds in the sky and the small animals along the ground, everything that has life. And, and it says, and that's what happened. Then we move into chapter 2 of Genesis. And it says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in the Eden in the, Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. And the Lord made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Well, Something very unfortunate happened and decided to, to disobey God and step out from under his covering. And when they stepped out under his covering, then the result was they had no covering. Your, your way is not the best way, and my way is not the best way. And so what Adam and Eve did, we describe it by taking by eating apple and, and physical nakedness, but it's, it's more of a spiritual nakedness that now you're not covered by the grace and the glory of God. Now you have separated yourself from God. And that's what all that's really saying. And they chose to do that. Chapter 3 of Genesis, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking. Heard the Lord walking. You know, um, you say God's the spirit, but I believe there's pre-incarnate Christ, and I think there was literally walking in the garden. Walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord, which is stupid. <laughs> but people still try to do it. They still try to do it. It's like when people do something, they realize I'm a pastor, and supposedly that means that they are supposed to act differently when they're around me. And they say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot you're a pastor. I said, 
right. God knows anyway. It's all right. You know, you don't hide anything from him. It's ridiculous. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. And that's what happens. When you get out from under God's glory and his grace, you walk in fear. It moves in a place of fear and darkness. And uh, verse 9, then the Lord called to the man, where are you? Well, God already knew where he was. They weren't playing hide and go seek, and God was, you know, it's not, God, God wanted to, he wanted Adam to know that he was lost. So, I heard you, I heard you walk in the garden, Adam says, I love the responses, they are so like we are, have been in our own lives, they're so human. Adam said, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid, I was afraid because I was naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Here we go. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. It's like, listen, if you don't face your own personal responsibility for your actions, for your own sin, for that, then you can never get a resolution. You can never be an answer. And if you're always blaming somebody else or something else and, and trying to defend yourself, you never find a solution. And, and Adam said, well, did you do that, Adam? Yes, Lord, but it was that woman. I still hear that from time to time. People, people, it was that woman you gave me. Not only was blaming his woman, but was blaming God. If you hadn't given, she's the problem. Well, then the Lord said, okay. Lord asked the woman, what have you done? And she said, the serpent deceived me. Devil made me do it. That's why, I, well, the result of all of that was not good. You follow up in the next few verses, the Lord pronounced a curse upon the serpent. It would crawl on the face of the earth that he would bruise the heel of the one that was come to deliver. We're talking about Jesus, but that Jesus would bruise the head or the authority of the serpent. There was a prophetic word there in, in uh, 316. And then spoke of what would happen as a result of the fall to Eve and then to Adam. It was a horrible, horrible thing. But yeah, God spoke in a lot of different ways. He spoke to Noah about the ark and the flood. Man, I tell, tell you, if it's never rained, it's all dry ground, God tells you to build a huge ship, you better know you've heard from God. And he had his chances to doubt it because I'm sure there were people that came in and say, what in the world are you doing? But let me tell you, the only way you're going to be able to walk through these times of doing this type of work for the Lord and, and the only way that you can be consistent in holding your place and be determined to follow through with what God has told you is to know that it was God. Let me tell you, if you know something's God, it'll give you strength. It'll help you, it'll help you persevere. Well, he spoke to uh, Moses, first of all, you know, he spoke to the burning bush there. He spoke to uh, Joshua, to Gideon, to Daniel, to young Samuel, to Elijah, to many of the other prophets, to David, so many others. God spoke, he spoke through the prophetic voice, through storms, still small voices, through angels, through dreams. So many ways God has spoken. And then we read about this in Hebrews chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, it says, long ago or in the past, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. 
the very best way that God has spoken to us as far as his plan and provision for us is he gave us his only begotten son who uh, he is the inheritance that we have. We have inheritance through him. Now, so what I want to do here is to close things out with this. I would ask yourself, are there times are there times when we really crucially very it's so very important that we hear from the Lord. Yes, there are. In fact, we need to have an ear turned to him every day. Be attentive to him. It's extremely, extremely important. Well, who does the Lord speak to? If God speaks, who does he speak to? Anyone that will listen. Anyone, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, if any man, if anyone will hear, will open the door, will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. Now, does he speak to those who are not Christians? I think there's some times through his mercy and grace that God will speak. I, I've known of revelations that have come to, uh, to Muslims in recent years where they've had some almost like an angelic appearance or a, an amazing appearance uh, that, that giving them the message of salvation. They've heard the amazing things, and it absolutely that confrontation with the living God caused them to give their hearts to Christ. That's an amazing, it's wonderful, but it's not typical. But God will speak to anyone. And the Lord somehow in his grace and mercy will move in to those who are not even trying to hear. But for us as believers, we have the privilege and the opportunity to listen to him, to hear him. He promises us that as his followers, we can hear him. So I want to I walk through this with you quickly. I want to give you five things. All right, five things. Because here's what we're talking about. This is to lay the groundwork for the next few weeks. If we're going to hear from God, we need to put ourselves in a position where we can hear. You need to prepare yourself to hear. First of all, these are simple, but they're important. First of all, stay close. If you want to hear someone, it's good to be close to them. Stay close. It's about relationship. Hearing God really effectively naturally starts when you receive Christ as your Savior. When you come to Christ and you're made righteous, your sins are forgiven, you become a part of his family, you're now in a relationship. And, it's, and he speaks, and relationship is, is necessary for us to clearly hear the Lord. And so it starts by staying close. One of the greatest benefits of salvation is the ability to hear and communicate with God. Look quickly in John chapter 10, I'm going to point out a few verses here. Verse 2, this is Jesus. He says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. <clears throat> to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear the voice, hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Got to lead sheep, can't drive sheep. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They follow him, for they know his voice. Now, in, in this agrarian society and with the, the people here that Jesus was talking to, they were absolutely familiar with the, everything he was talking about here as far as the example, the illustration of, of sheep and sheepfold and the door. Uh, normally, after grazing in outlying areas there, they would be brought back to a more central place 
and there was just a small, some type of hedge or stone uh, perimeter around them to bring them back in, and of course, the door. Sometimes the door was not a swinging door, it was just a person that would stand or stay there at the door. And it was a place of protection, it was a place for, to bring them back in for protection. But many times there were different shepherds with different flocks. And they would all bring them in and put them together in this same place. And the amazing thing about it is, is that each shepherd could come to this place and call his sheep and only his sheep would follow him. Those that were not his sheep would not follow him. And this is the picture that Jesus is drawing here. It's a beautiful picture, a powerful picture. And in verse 14 he says, I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep, and I am known by my own, or they know me. He says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Eventually there are going to be Gentiles, there are going to be other generations. And he says, them also I will bring, and they will hear my voice. You know, this is referring to you and me. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 27 Anytime that you say, oh, you can't hear from the Lord, you can't, you just, you can't. Remember, John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep, and you can say, I'm one of them. The Lord is my shepherd, I'm one of his sheep. The sheep hear, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Don't leave out the last part of that verse. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they Follow me. So if you're not following, it's this important verse. Number one, stay close if you're going to hear. Stay close. So one, picture, one picture of this is in the Old Testament where it talks about getting direction from the Lord by watching his eyes. It's kind of a way that we can identify this, that you can actually be led by his eyes. Now, you get a direction by his eyes. And that's close. You hear the Lord, you say, so close. Close. Close in, 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 in your relationship with him. It's so very important. Number two, check your frequency. Check your receiver. May need a little bit of tuning here to more accurately hear the word of God. Everything is pretty well digital now and automatic and, you know, Things have changed so much in, in electronics. But many of you remember, and I think we've probably talked about this before in some other illustrations, back when televisions had on and off buttons and the remote was you or your kid. <laughs> and you actually had to get up and go to the TV to turn it on and off or to change channels. That would have been horrible if you had 300 channels back then. <laughs> but there's only usually two, maybe three. And they went off at midnight. No 24-hour television. Usually have the national anthem and the little thing come up in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. A lot of you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? I remember when old people used to do that and I would listen and say, what in the world are you talking about? Well... Uh, that was before satellite or cable or anything like that. We had the antennas. And some people were going back to those and using them. We had antennas outside. They fastened to the side of the house or something up there. 
And you'd turn it on. And we got, we got two channels when I was growing up. We got channel 6 and channel 13 from Birmingham. That's the only two channels we had. And later on, we got channel 40. We got an Anderson station and a few others, but, you know. But I can remember, you'd be watching, and you'd have a storm come through or something, or strong wind, and move an antenna. And then you'd turn your TV on, and it was just snow, or you just barely see what's on. So, go outside and turn the antenna. <laughs> so, we'd walk outside, there'd be one inside the TV, and one go outside the antenna, and turn a little bit. Can you see it now? And, uh, you know, it's coming in, it's clear, it's getting clearer. You turn it around until it focused. You had to set... You had to put it in the right direction. You had to set its frequency. It's got a link with getting the right frequency. You go drive down, you know, your automobile there and everything, and you're looking for TV station. Now we got all the seats, the buttons, the automatic resets, and everything we can hit and everything. But, you know, used to, you also had to turn a knob with that too. Turn it on and then turn a knob, and you try to find the particular radio station. And you start getting close to it. You start getting close to it. Sometimes you could hear two or three, two or three channels at the same time. And it was like mixed signals. And, and, and in this world, that's, that's kind of the way people live. They have so many signals coming at them every day. So many voices, so many things that are competing for their attention and for their ears, for what they're hearing. And they're hearing this and that and hearing this on television and they're on Facebook and they're on, you know, got all this going on and and, you know, it's just hard to sort through all this because it's just mixing up the signal. It's just all this stuff is going on. And we need to find a way to begin to just tune in so that we can hear him. He's, he's speaking, but we have to learn what we need to do in our lives to begin to, to hear him. People look to stars and astronomers and fortune tellers. Satan is vying for your attention. And um, we need to adjust our ears to hear from him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek for me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Third thing is you need to spend time. There's no way of getting around this. Sometimes we like things just quickly and automatically and you know, we got so many things to do. We don't need to invest any more time in anything. But if we want to have the kind of relationship with the Lord that he wants us to have and that we need, and if we want to learn to hear him, really hear him, there is absolutely no way to do that without taking time to do so. Usually that means setting aside the first part of your day. But if that's not possible, then set aside the best part of your day and spend time. Well, I've got so many other things that need to be done. Yeah. But he deserves first. And oftentimes we can get so much more done if we'll actually put him first. Spend time. It takes time to learn how to effectively hear and discern God's voice. You know, the Bible talks about abiding in him, remaining in him. That's, that's consistently spending time for the Lord. The way you hear best from God is to be close to him. That's the way you train your ear. That's the way you learn how to recognize his voice better, faster. It's through prayer, through the word, and through spending time with him. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear, Matthew's gospel says. The fourth 
way I think that helps us get in position to hear God better is we need to live a life where we expect to hear. We actually really expect to hear from the Lord. That sounds like you shouldn't even have to name that, but I think it's actually a pretty important one because we go through life, many people go through life, even Christians who don't actually really expect to hear from the Lord. And, and we live by what? Not by feelings, but we live by faith. And faith is expecting something, isn't it? Faith is expecting to receive what God has already given you. Faith is expecting to, to receive what God has already done for you. Faith is expecting to receive what God has already done for you. Expect to hear, desire to hear. In the Old Testament, interesting verse in Habakkuk, chances are you don't turn to the book of Habakkuk very often in your, uh, in your Bible. I remember when I pastored up in, the, up in the mountains there in the first few years I pastored, many, many years ago I pastored up in the mountain. I had one pastor friend of mine, but he was just, you know, I'm country, but he was really country. I mean, he was really country. Good man, loved the Lord and everything. But uh, he, had, he had his way of pronouncing words sometimes, you know. And, uh, and you know, we, we went all the way through that message. I don't know why he preached on that, but he preached from Habakkuk. And so all morning we'd hear him Habakkuk. So it's almost every time we come around that now, I, I find myself saying Habakkuk. Uh, just like he always said in the Buchanan, And... Uh, <laughs> Once something gets in your mind, you know, it just, anyway, I could go on. But it's from the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 1. He says, the prophet says, I will, I will climb up to my watchtower and I'll stand at my guard post. And there I will wait to see, I'll expect, wait's another word for expecting, I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he answers my complaints. Or actually that's saying, I want to wait and see what the Lord says and how he wants to work in my life or how he wants to correct me. Lord, I will, I will go to here and I will, I will expect to hear from you. It'll change your life if you begin to, to do this in your prayer time. And not just in your prayer time, but actually throughout the day, different intervals, just in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, just say, Lord, I just expect to hear from you today. Now, yeah, don't just take everything that goes through your mind as a word from the Lord. You know, I, that's dangerous. I run to people like that all the time. The Lord told me this, and the Lord told me that, the Lord told me this. And, and look, you test it by the word, it's absolutely not true, but they meant well. They didn't mean any harm by it. But some, certain people get to a place in their life where every fleeting thought and everything comes to their mind, they say, the Lord told me that. So it's important that we learn to weigh these things. Not to say we won't make a mistake from time to time, but learn to weigh these things and say, Lord, I need affirmation of this, confirmation. Before I really act on this, I need to, could you confirm it? Would you affirm it? And, and, and he will. But the better you get at this, the quicker you can respond. The more this works in your life, the better you'll know that's the Lord. And how do we know it's the Lord? It will always line up with what? The Scripture, the Bible. 
So it's very important. He says, I will, I'll go up there and I'll wait to hear from you. I expect to hear. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me. The Lord says, call to me and I will answer you. Expect it. I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I'll show you the future. I'll show you things that are hidden. People get the idea that God's hiding something from you. He's got this big secret he wants to keep from you. That's not the character of God. Now, there are mysteries there that we don't understand, right? He's God, we're not. But he doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. And if we're open to hear him, he unlocks those things and reveals those things to us. But there's some things you can't hear unless you're willing to invest the time and the energy and set your heart on him and unless you're willing to really desire and believe that you do hear him. And the very last thing that I mentioned today, and I'm going to build on, we'll cover some of this in more depth when we hit on some of the other areas, but the very last thing in preparing ourselves to hear, and that's what we're talking about this morning, is positioning yourself to get you in a place where you can start hearing God better, where you can start hearing him clearer, more accurately. Okay, more definitive way. And number five is obey what you've already heard. Obey what you've already heard. Oh, Lord, please show me what you want me to do. And if we could hear me say, you haven't done what I told you to do last time. Why should I tell you what to, anything else to do? There, there's truth in that, folks. Light increases as you walk in light, you turn away from light, more confusion, you don't hear clearly. That's why obedience is extremely important in following the Lord. Obey what you've already heard and respond quickly. John 7, 17 says, if a man will do his will, he'll know what the doctrine of the teaching of whether it be of God or not. Jesus said, if you'll do what I tell you to do, you'll know whether it's me or not. If we're not willing to do his will, why should he continue to speak to us? Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, if you're faithful in small things, you will be faithful in large things. You gotta listen, gotta act on what you've already heard if you're expecting to continue to have these unfolding, uh, this unfolding word in your life. Keep your heart soft and pliable. Don't let it become hard, bitter, resistant. Hebrews 3.15 says, today, 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 if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. The great teacher and author, A.W. Tozer, which is one of the most quoted authors, especially when it comes to ministry and the word, and a tremendous author. Who really had no formal education, didn't finish college, university, one of the most brilliant men around, A.W. Tozer. Here's what he said. He said, it is the nature of God to speak. This is interesting. If you're waiting on God to send you out to, quote, part the Red Sea, unquote, you may be missing what he's been saying to you or what he's saying to you right now, which might be clean out your closet. Stop watching certain TV programs. Limit your time on the computer. I had that one. He, was, he didn't have a computer back in the early days. <laughs> and spend more time with your wife and children. Before you think, oh God, are you calling me to part the Red Sea? He says, you need to listen to what he's already told you to do. And some of us, so practical, 
so very practical, and yet it's so very necessary if you're going to continue to hear. Listen, God is speaking. He's speaking today in many different ways that we're going to have a lot of fun and learn a lot when we talk about the different ways that God does speak today. And um, I believe it would be a blessing and help to all of us. And I, I want us to pray together before we go. I think the worship team will come here. We're going to close out with one today. But here's my, here's my focus today as they come to worship. And I hope you've heard some, something this morning that's encouraged you and that's challenged you, uh, that's reminded you. I do. Because this could very well be one of the most important studies and series that we'll ever go through. Because so many other things are contingent upon it. Do you hear the Lord or not? Can you hear him? Do you hear him? Is it accurate? A lot of crazy stuff going on today. We want to hear him accurately. So, if you, the starting point is to know him as Savior, is to have a relationship with him. You may have been in church all your life or not. You may have joined a church or not. The question is, do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you said, Lord, I've sinned against you. I'm separated from you. That, my sins separate me from you. That, that I need you in my life. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Today I surrender my life to you. Forgive me. Come into my life and change me.